everyone and welcome to another episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Kira and I'm Em and today is a really exciting episode. <laughs> we have been so hyped to record this one and just give a little preview. We should really have been recording this one at midnight but we aren't yeah. because we're lame. You're gonna have to just use your imagination to just pretend that we are but actually we are far too old to be staying up at midnight I think so mm-hmm. yeah we'll just have to use our imaginations. <laughs> when I was 11 and like I think it was 11 when Speak Now came out. I did stay up until like 5am midnight US time for that. And I did do it, I think, for pretty much every album, but not this one. <laughs> no. I, I do believe we're actually lucky in the sense that it obviously comes out like midnight American time, which is yeah. about our 5am. So we're not actually like too far behind and we just have to like wake up a little bit early, realistically. Yeah. And so... you wake up at the crack of dawn anyway. Yeah, although I feel like I've been getting worse and worse at that with the oh, no. darker nights. But that aside, I feel like we've probably given away what the theme of today's podcast episode is, which is obviously Taylor Swift's new album. How exciting. Today is the day we are literally recording on the day it came out. And I'm not going to lie, I honestly feel like this is the most stressful episode we've ever recorded because <laughs> there are so many songs to discuss. We've only had it for about what just over 12 hours I've literally yeah. got notes in front of me I kind of feel like you know when you're trying to solve a mystery and you've got red string everywhere between all the different pins on the pin board that's yeah. what this episode feels like a bit <laughs> uh, yeah I have to say like because of how expansive the Taylor Swift fandom is and how intense some people are in terms of like how much they know about her and her history and her relationships and everything people start theorizing so much that if you are like just a, an average listener it feels <laughs> as though like you're missing out on something because you like you, there, there must be more to it like and she is obviously very cryptic and yeah. like plants things and you just like you can't just listen and listen for listening's sake you have to like think on a deeper level which is intense especially like you say when we've only had 12 hours to process this yeah. before giving you our deep dive intense analytical thoughts <laughs> I do feel like she has played into I feel like early on in her career she realized she had this kind of fan base not gonna <laughs> lie <laughs> I have always been one of those fans I have a Taylor Swift tattoo fun fact um <laughs> But I feel like she's really played into it more and more as the years have gone on. And now it's almost like a marketing tool. All of this like conspiracy theories and like dropping hints and breadcrumbing. And it does just make for quite an intense. And if you are a super fan, very exciting. But if you, as you say, you're just an average listener, quite overwhelming experience. Uh, But I'm very excited to be discussing this. We did this for, did we do it for Folklore and Evermore or just We just did it for Evermore because we had um, only started the podcast in that November before... Oh yeah, like, I remember. Before it came out in so November 2020, so we had had folklore for a few months, and then she gave us the absolute joy of my life that was Evermore. So we did an Evermore deep dive. I went back and had a look at how long the episode was. It was 53 minutes for anyone who's wondering. And we talked about mince pies, book swapping, and an Evermore deep dive. Yeah, Um, because in that episode, because back then we were recording the podcast in like three sections, the Evermore deep dive only got the middle section. Whereas today, today we're everything. (laughs) We are just going to do a high and low and then go straight into the the analysis because like I say there are 20 songs to unpack here so a lot to get on so (laughs) if I think about it too much I'll get overwhelmed so without further ado high and low of the week so I'm going to be really 
boring with my high and predictable mm-hmm. and my high has to be this album release like we've been <laughs> looking forward to it for so long um yeah. And I just feel like it's so exciting that it's finally come round. I also, having been born on the 21st of May, have like an affinity for 21st of months. I always feel like they're a good day. And so today's the 21st of October. October is also a great month. I just feel like it's all accumulated into an exceptional day. So there's my high of the week and my Very low of the week. Uh, it is, yeah, but I had to be true to myself and that was my high of the week. Um, my low of the week is a bit of a saga, so strap in because it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, that's how I feel about this episode as a whole, so that's fitting. <laughs> yeah, so last week Jay was driving the car and he was going in the opposite direction to like what he said was like a big wagon that was just driving down the road on the opposite side and obviously when big vehicles come down they like cause more debris to fly up across the road and everything on this particular occasion a stone flew up at the windscreen and caused a little chip in the windscreen which was highly disappointing so this was last Wednesday I think it was um so then we went through insurance and got the windscreen repair people to come out last Friday they came and like filled in the little chip because it was only a little one and if you've seen the auto glass repair auto glass replace adverts you'll know you can just fill in a chip and the guy was like that's fine it won't get any bigger now you'll still be able to see the chip but it's like solid now so you won't be able to get any bigger then this Wednesday Jay went to the gym in the morning, called me just after he'd left the house, and he said, oh, just by the way, there's a big horizontal crack in the windscreen. (laughs) So, um, I was like, oh, dear, that's not good. That's really not good. Because I was like, is it going to shatter? Like, what's going to happen? Called up the windscreen people again, and I was like, I literally just paid for this repairing last week, so, like, surely this is not my fault. This is your yeah. fault um so then they were like that's fine it will need a full replacement now you can't fix that it needs to be taken out and put a new windscreen in but we'll take off the money that you spent last time off of the price this time because you've already like paid a certain amount basically that so, seems the wrong way that they should have done it yeah i don't really know but either way it meant i was having to pay less than i expected so that's fine and then they were like you're gonna have to go over to leeds to get it done and I was like, can I drive with the windscreen with a big crack in it? And then they were like, actually, we could do it in York. You come to us because it's raining, so they can't do it outside. Then I drove my car on my lunch break today to the depot to get the thing fixed. And she's like, oh, I thought you were coming. I thought we were coming to you, not you coming to us. And um, so then I had to drive home again. And then eventually the windscreen people came to my house, fixed the car, and I'm hoping that is literally the end of this saga because I just don't want any more glass-related issues <laughs> in my week. Um, and also, it's another low in the sense that I had to pay for two windscreen-related issues, which is just, like, money I could have done without spending. And then next week, I have my MOT. And car things just always seem to just come up in groups, so I'm like really bracing myself for what's going to be wrong with the car and the MOT, because I just know there's going to be something. <laughs> mm. I do feel like that story suggests that autoglass repair, autoglass replace, should now be autoglass repair, autoglass destroy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> feel free to put me in for all of your jingles. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's a good one. We should definitely write that in for them because clearly, I mean, it wasn't actually, I should clarify, Autoglass Repair, Autoglass Replace was not the company that did the repair, but... Oh, was it not? It's just, you know, a similar Autoglass company. So yeah, there we go. High and low. Midnights, windscreens. (laughs) What about you? (laughs) Very different topics. Uh, So I'm going to go high of the week. So... Kind of spoiler alert, me and Kira actually filmed a whole previous episode to this one, <laughs> but the Wi-Fi in my new house was so bad that we decided to scrap it and just dive straight into Midnight's. So I feel like there's a lot of ground that we actually haven't covered that I feel like yeah. we're going to resume next episode after the Midnight mm-hmm. Deep Dive. So as I discussed in the last episode, ha- have we even recorded one and put one out since I moved to London? I feel like my no, whole that life was the is first. Yeah, yeah, God, that was the first one of, of London Town. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So haven't even spoken on the podcast since I moved to London, but yeah, I am now a London Here girl. you are. <laughs> Here I am. Big city lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change my uh, social handles to that now. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You 100% should. Um, and I feel like my high of the week is definitely just my new job. If you didn't listen to the last episode, I have now started as a marketing assistant in the Harper Fiction division of HarperCollins. Kira's heard this so many times now. <laughs> I'm still so happy for you though. It's just like, so it's one of those like surreal things where I'm imagining it must be more surreal for you. Mm. But for me, just as like a, a viewer on the outside, I'm like, this is so exciting that it's actually happened. So It's honestly just like, it's so surreal because everyone that wants to get into the publishing industry wants it so badly that I feel Mm. like it goes almost beyond job like it becomes doing all the applications and the interviews it becomes so part of your daily routine that it feels like more than a job and then when you start because it's not only a job it's kind of where all your interests kind of collide as well and for Mm. me I am a marketing assistant of Harper Fiction but then another division of HarperCollins is where Heartbreak House Share was published. So I really do feel like every aspect of my person has collided in this job. And it is just so surreal to just walk around surrounded by so many books. And I think just that as a whole is gonna be my high for the week uh, because it has been my high for the last three weeks and it has been so much fun. A lot of hard work, definitely kind of overwhelming at times because starting a new job always is. I feel like we have gone through a lot of new jobs since we started this podcast. There's been, there's been a fair few. <laughs> and it is always so overwhelming, but so much fun. And I am loving doing publishing TikToks over on TikTok. So if you don't follow me over there, it's at a little writer M, like all my other platforms. And I'm really enjoying kind of doing publishing days in the lives. And then I did like an, a big unboxing of books that I'd got through work, which was super fun as well. So I'm really enjoying doing that style of content and just the whole experience is a high, but I'm sure we will talk more about that in other episodes because I feel like it's almost oh, yeah. too, too big of a high. <laughs> I also feel like obviously you are quite new into it right now, but I'd be interested like, you know, a few sort of like couple of months down the line to like really hear about like what it's like working in publishing because I feel like obviously like you say, new jobs, there's so much to kind of take in that it takes a while before you feel like fully settled into a role, but I'm very excited to kind of get the the inside scoop on publishing, especially because obviously you're working in marketing and as we all know, we both work in marketing, but we're in very different industries now, so it'll be exciting to hear about it from a publishing vibe. 
I do feel like there will be a lot to unpack as I feel like less of a newbie. One really fun <laughs> thing that I was doing this week, which I might use as just my like pinpointed high of the week, is that because a few people were on holiday, I got to jump in on quite a big campaign and just help out with that. And it was the campaign nice. for Cat Lady by Dorno Porter. I think I yeah. sent you, yeah, I sent you a picture of the cover um, because it just sounds so much fun and like the naked hardback has foiled cats on it. It's so mm. cute. But one I of the things them. that they did as part of the campaign, they I think they took some to publicity events and they sent some out to influ- influencers and it's kind of like, so it was like a cat food tin. So basically I had to do like 150 of these tins and they came as like tin cans and then I would wrap a sticker, which was like the book cover all the way around the tin. So it looked like, a tin of cat lady cat food and then inside I put a cat lady tote bag and popped the lid on so that to get the tote bag out of the cat lady tin you actually had to peel it back like a tin so wow. it was very fun very clever concept very clever. very clever it is just so it's so much fun to see like all of the things that we see on Instagram like all of the influencer mm-hmm. packages and every time I step off the tube and I see like a poster for books it's really interesting to see like the different stages that go into that I'm really enjoying just like learning so much from such a talented team of people. So yeah, but the cat lady tins were definitely my high of the week and kind of my low as well because there was 150 of them. Um, I would like to say that um, mine didn't arrive. So I'm just thinking that must have been like a mistake or <laughs> I don't know. Well, I get your list. Thought I you thought I'd just put that out there because obviously I am... <laughs> 10 out of 10 influencer so I ought to be and also a cat lady as we all know I've cried over many a cat that I don't even know this Mm -hmm. week if anyone should be on a cat lady list it ought to be me um and yeah I just (laughs) thought my mine must have been lost in the post that's all I can imagine definitely what it was definitely what it was (laughs) quickly logs into work and sends (laughs) here a tint (laughs) what a weird (laughs) but that's Um, not really my low of the week because my low of the week I'm so excited for this. It's probably the funniest low I have ever said on this podcast. Kira doesn't okay. know what it is. I didn't tell her in advance, so I'm going to get her I've just been reaction. warned. I've been yeah. warned about it, but I don't know what to expect. I've really built it. Oh, no, you're probably not going to find it that funny. But anyway, okay. in true Heartbreak House share 20s list fashion, me and my flatmates went to a singles night last night, which Fun. was a very new experience. Um, I am single now. And we decided to go to like, it was, so they're all across, I think they're all across the UK and they're like nights where you can book a ticket and everyone that goes is, well, I assume everyone that books a ticket is single and it's kind of like a Imagine big mixer. Imagine if they're not. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would be kind of weird. Um, yeah. So it's this mixer event and we kind of just went like as a flat to have fun and I got chatting to this guy <laughs> and then I said, oh, I'm just going to go and find my flatmate now. We've been chatting for, I would say, like a solid 20 minutes. And I decided okay. to leave and go and find my flatmate. And he said, oh, okay, it was lovely to meet you. And my brain malfunctioned, <laughs> missed out the middle and just said, love you. <laughs> <laughs> that was no. a good laugh. I knew you'd like that one. What was the reaction? Everyone that I've told this story to has said, what did he say? And I don't know, because I just liked it. <laughs> Sensible. You know that um, gif of, I don't know what his name is, and you're going to shout at me for this because I should know what his name is. You know Forrest Gump? Uh, Tom Hanks? Yeah, 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 it's come back Tom to me Tom Hanks? As soon as she said it, it came back to me. You know the gif of him like running really fast? Yeah, that's, that's what I was like, straight out oh, of there. Oh man. 
That yeah. is like, because I feel like obviously whenever you make like a slight misstep with your words, it mm. can be really embarrassing because you're like, oh, someone noticed me say something wrong. But yeah. that is a particularly difficult <laughs> <laughs> speaks to a man for 20 minutes tells them tells him yeah why the hell not I mean shoot yeah. your shot <laughs> yeah safe to say we won't be married next week <laughs> maybe the week after <laughs> maybe maybe but yeah very embarrassing definitely I think the most comical though I've had in a while 100% you really did actually get a chuckle out of me and I think it's quite <laughs> rare that you haven't already told me your low of yeah. the week beforehand because often we do tell each other things before the podcast spoiler alert yeah. they're not always authentic reactions but that actually was so and i'm glad mm-hmm. it was i knew i should save that i knew you and that wasn't even a chuckle don't downplay it that was a belly laugh yeah it was because i just didn't i didn't know what you were gonna say and that i didn't expect it to be that so yeah it <laughs> yeah. got me you caught me off guard probably in the same way that you caught him off guard <laughs> yeah i mean i didn't i couldn't even look at him i couldn't even look at him i was just out of there so clearly i am unlucky in love in the same way that, <laughs> judging by this album, so is Taylor. So, shall we jump she in? She has been. Did you enjoy that yeah. segue? I was proud of that. I did. I felt like you You thought, here's an opportunity to turn my own embarrassment into an excellent segue. Yeah. yeah. Let's make it work. And you did. 10 out of 10. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, I think before we start talking specifically about Taylor Swift's new album, which is for anyone who doesn't know, called Midnight's, um, it would be good to give a bit of a Taylor Swiftery. By which I mean a brief history, <laughs> a brief history of our experiences with Taylor Swift. Obviously, we're both fans, that's clear. But specifically, what I want to talk about is Taylor has a very different vibes for all of her albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going into Midnight, I had no idea what to expect. But I feel like it's interesting to know what your, I don't know, top album. I'm, I'm willing to give you up to at least a top three, given that there's so okay. many. But yeah, what's your favourite Taylor Swift albums? Mm-hmm. Okay, and before I before I go into this, I feel like I need to just give some context to the fact that we just said that sometimes we don't tell each other in advance what we're going to say on this <laughs> podcast, and my my low was one of those times. Kira's coined term Taylor Swiftery. Taylor Swiftery was something she told me before the podcast with a very smug look on her face and a look of pure joy. So I hope you all enjoyed Taylor Swiftery because she's really proud of that one. <laughs> I was. It came to me as like a vision just before the podcast yeah. and I thought, you know what, got to share it with the world. Yeah, and I'm sure everyone enjoyed it, as did I. Uh, <laughs> so, favourite Taylor Swift albums, honestly, I don't even I don't even need to think about it, I just know. Mm-hmm. And it is a top three, I'm sorry, I can't narrow it down. That's, don't apologise, yeah. you go for it. <laughs> There's just too many. I mean, if you don't even count, like if you don't count the Christmas albums and you don't count the um, Taylor's version albums, there is actually I'm sorry. Like, this is her... We are counting the Taylor's version albums. Well, if you don't count them, this is her tenth album. So this is the tenth album of like completely like all original music, which Branding, is a lot of yeah, music to choose yeah. from. I mean, obviously, we do count Taylor's version. In fact, we Taylor's version replaces the other version. The older version, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The old Taylor is dead. She can't come to the front. Right <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's ten albums, a lot to choose from. My favourite album of all time, not even Taylor Swift, just of all time, is Red obviously classic total autumn classic. girl vibes it is who i am mm. in my soul uh, yeah. and also just such nostalgia like i became a fan in kind of the end of the fearless era i remember begging my mum 
for, par- for parents <laughs> for tickets to the <laughs> Fearless concert at Shepherd's Bush. Uh, and she said no. So, think <laughs> <Dingus> that one. <laughs> Thanks, Helen. <laughs> that, yeah, sad story. Uh, but that's where uh, I feel like the, my fan... Fan fandom? No. My yeah. Fan life. Fan lifestyle. Your fan began. origin story. Yeah, began. that was my fan origin story. Um, so I remember for particularly Speak Now and Red was like the the first albums that have been there for the release. And okay. me and my best friend Hannah at the time, who was such a big Swifty, and I'm sure she still is, we uh, went to the Trafford Centre. If you know that, Taylor. I, I do. I I've heard Taylor. of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank we went you. to the Trafford Centre and we wore red Taylor Swift tops and we went and took pictures in front of the massive stand at HMV and we were listening to them Classic. in the car and we had braces and like frizzy hair and the picture of in HMV is honestly such a mem. It's one of my favourite mems. So Cute. also like that and then the concert I went to go and see um the red concert in London and I feel like just the whole package and also just the music is why it's my favourite because it's just so full of nostalgia. And yeah. yeah, the Red Album, definitely number one for me. I feel like the songs are really intimate on that album and they have like mm-hmm. this like nostalgic, cosy vibe to them that I really enjoy. That's probably the opposite of what The Guardian and The Independent and Rolling Stones have called them because I don't know how to describe music, but for me, that is just my favourite. Then yeah. my second favourite album, <clears throat> The Tide. I feel like The Tide. I really like Evermore. I feel like... Don't we differ on that one? I think you like folk more, more than Evermore. No, no. Wrong. Oh, Wrong an girl. Um, I am. I love Evermore. I love both folkmore, folklore and Evermore, but I feel like Evermore mm. slightly pipped it for me. I really enjoyed that experience of having a new album just completely drop out of nowhere in lockdown. I feel like that's why I like that one. And again, I really liked that one because it felt... It didn't feel intimate, which I'm going to talk about this album later and use this same analogy. It didn't okay. feel intimate in the same way as Red because... Folklore and Evermore were kind of storytelling in a different way, where they were almost They're like very much narratives. Yeah. Um, so it didn't feel intimate in the same way, but it also felt intimate in a different way. And I really enjoyed that kind of narrative storytelling vibe. As someone mm-hmm. that likes writing stories, um, I really enjoyed Evermore for that reason. Champagne Problems, yeah. one of the best songs. <laughs> that song of all is time. Mm-hmm. my fit. I think that song may well be my favourite song ever. Like, I just think, especially when the music video not the actual music video for that but there was like a video of uh the 2019 little women joe and laurie laurie proposing to joe joe turning him down and then laurie and amy getting together and that song has never been better matched to anything ever so i just love it so much yeah incredible it's such a good time um so yeah evermore is definitely second place tied with speak now because speak now just has some of the real old school Taylor and mm-hmm. it was just such a good time to be alive. Again, nostalgia was very much in high school, finding like that music for the first time, went to the concert and Enchanted is another one of my absolute favourite songs. Enchanted so, is yeah. iconic. It, is it really is. So good. 10 out of 10. Um, for the same reasons probably as Champagne Problems. I feel like it has, they both have this like whimsical storytelling feel to them. But like you can properly just like belt it out to them as yeah. well. Like you can really get into the sing along vibe. So yeah. Yeah. Very good exactly. top three. I so agree. they're my top three. Red, Speak Now and Evermore. What okay. are you? So my top three is gonna be in third place, um Red, which <gasps> I actually place. Yeah, so I would not have said Red before, before the Taylor's version release, which is when I kind of like really listened to that album properly, I would have probably put Lover in third place. However, I don't love the singles from Red. So is it like 
we are never getting back together and yes, I knew you were bot. trouble. I don't think that they reflect the, the vibe of the album. Like, I think they're... Again, like, like Shake It Off, I know that's not from that album, but I think that some of her singles are some of her worst songs in terms mm. of highlighting her, like, lyrical ability and, like, her storytelling. I feel like the singles that go out on radio just do not reflect that at all. Like, they're bops, they're sing-alongs, but they do not show how good she is. So... Until I'd like fully listened to Red Taylor's version, I didn't rate the album as much. But mm-hmm. then when it, Taylor's version came out, and I spent like about mm, six months listening to All Too Well Ten Minute version over and over <laughs> and over again. I can't wait um, to see everyone's Spotify Wrapped this year. Honestly, I need to start listening to it again because I think sometimes it skews like what you listen to at the beginning of the year. Yeah. It doesn't seem reflected, so I need to start getting a few more listens of All Too Well Ten Minute version because mm-hmm. I did not put those hours in at the beginning of the year for it not. Isn't to be the reflected. cutoff point? soon i think the cutoff point is soon yeah it might be at the end of october or something so i best get on it so you've got nine days yeah (laughs) 10 days to listen to 10 minute version um but yeah so red that's number three number two is folklore and i'd be interested to go back and listen to our evermore episode because i'm certain during that episode we talked about what favourite album we like was which one was our favourite out of the two because they're obviously sister albums and i I think it's relevant to say this now given that we're just about to talk about a new album and I do think that there's something to be said for like attachment to songs and that's something that only comes with time so even yeah. though at the time of listening to Evermore I was like this is a great album at the time I was obviously more attached to the folklore songs because we'd had like six months of them so yeah at the time I thought I liked folklore better but now that we're like two years on from both of them I can say with certainty that folklore sits in second place and evermore is in my top place because I think the some of the best songs from folklore are maybe better than songs on evermore but I feel like Mm -hmm. more songs on evermore are like I don't know like yeah exactly so that's how I feel but I think it's the same as you the storytelling they're like whimsy I love acoustic and like slow vibes and I just feel like both of those albums have that but they also do have some like higher paced bops as well and I think what you said about the like intimacy thing is interesting because I think because she's not writing about herself necessarily it almost feels that you're getting like way more detail like she would not write about like turning down an engagement or something in the same like level of rawness that we got in Champagne Problems if it was like her own experience I don't think so I feel like it gives you more chance to like get a real deep song without it actually being about her which I think is nice. Yeah I definitely agree I feel like if I was going to describe something that had happened to me it would be very different if I then tried to write that in a story and I do think the two would look very different side by side so yeah I completely agree with what you said there they were kind of like a bubble of time in like the Taylor Swift discography that was so different to everything on either side of it like I don't and I think that was probably induced by lockdown because everyone became a little bit more like introspective and like trying to find almost like meaning outside of your own life because there was nothing going on in your own life so I do think that I would be interested to know obviously we never will know this if lockdown hadn't happened would those albums exist because I really don't think that they maybe would no I do think obviously they like she said they're kind of like a product of lockdown and yeah of circumstance because I mean she was meant to be on the lover tour was she not so it's like even like the sorry sorry but 
even the like conditions in which to create a new album like wouldn't have been yeah. there had she have been on like a world tour so I feel like it's just yeah very much circumstantial but so glad that it was mm-hmm. circumstantial well, yeah. and what's really interesting about that is that our like top three albums are so similar mm-hmm. but I actually Which think that once we delve yeah. into like this track by track album I think our favorite tracks will be very different like within an album mm-hmm. so that's interesting we like the kind yeah. of same overarching albums but once we get into the album we feel like we have very different faves yeah because each album like I said with with Red you know it has like those singles the pop vibes but it also has like the much more acoustic things and I feel like even though we can agree on like the album as a whole we have got quite different tastes in terms of the singles that we would listen to so without further ado meet me at midnight let's dive into it um let's and... dive in okay so i feel like maybe before we do like favorite tracks and least favorite tracks sorry mm-hmm. sorry to any super fans out there but we probably <laughs> do have some least faves also because i said to kira before this because kira suggested that we go through this track by track and I said, if you put a gun to my head and ask me to describe half of these songs, I probably wouldn't be able to because it has been, it's so fresh. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm at the stage where I have formed an, a brief attachment with a few of them and I can comment on a few of them. Um, but with me, albums really have to sit there for a while before I know yeah. them all. Like, 100%. Yeah. So I feel like before we dive into track by track or like picking out some tracks, Let's talk about the fact that the whole thing, I feel like never before has an album release been such a conspiracy theory. Like there was no single drops beforehand. So we had no Mm -hmm. idea what this sounded like. Although I will say that I think the like cover art and the photography and kind of the the mid, I can't even remember, Midnight Mayhem? Mayhem Midnight? Midnight's Mayhem with me. Midnight's Mayhem with me. Um, it did give off the exact vibe that I would have expected the songs to give off. Like, that kind of dark, yeah. atmospheric. To me, Folklore was the kind of album that I can imagine list, like walking through a forest and listening mm-hmm. to. Whereas this one, I just want to lie on my floor and listen to it in the pitch black. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, it's interesting because it has, like, the... Yeah, I think the imagery really did, like, encapsulate it well. And it also had, like, a bit of a... Like, everything had, like, a bit of a tone or, like, a filter over it. And I feel like it has, like, a... Yeah, it's poppy, but it's calm at the same time. It's, like, chill. It feels like, you know, not, like, a chaotic midnight, but, like, I'm just lying down, like, say, listening to music. Yeah. What a time to be alive. It almost feels like we've gone into her wildest dreams. Song drop. Song name drop. Cheeky. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I guess that's the whole concept of the album. I have to say, in terms of, like, concepts for an album and the way that she described it going into it, this has been my favourite because, honestly, the fact that she described it as, like, 13 sleepless nights and then the reasons why is Mm -hmm. such an interesting concept to me. Like, I really love that because I do think all of the things that dwell on our minds most, whether that be happy things, sad things, things we're worried about, things that have happened, like they all, I know for me, kind of come to a head when I'm trying to go to sleep and it just makes me not be able to sleep and it's like all you can think about. So the fact that these songs are a product of that feeling, I just knew it, we were in for an emotional roller coaster. So the concept to me was my favorite, I think ever of any album. 
Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's a, a really like, it's a neat concept that's like, okay, okay, I understand what I'm getting into there. And also what I liked about that was the like idea that it was sort of spanning like a long period of time. And it was like snippets of her experiences over like a lengthier period of time. Because obviously, like we were talking about before, her albums have like very specific vibes. Whereas the fact that she was diving into experiences throughout the years meant that she could kind of give like extra snippets of those eras that we've already seen but in like a new format so there's like I felt like a lot of the tunes had like a feeling of nostalgia or like similarity to other songs I'd heard before but in like a very different like spun way if that makes sense yeah it does make sense I do feel like as I say we had this period of time where every piece of music that she released was not about her or was like about made up people and then mm-hmm. we kind of like she's given it us back in like bucket loads by the fact that we're not only getting like the period of time since those albums but we're also getting kind of like every album that we've ever seen of hers I feel like we're getting all of the intimate moments that she perhaps was too afraid to share. This album to me feels really, really vulnerable. I feel like she's smashing out those stereotypes. I feel like she's really letting us in on things that people maybe like wondered about but didn't know. Like it feels very, I'm going to reveal all and I'm going to do it on my terms, which I really love. Yeah, 100%. I feel like it is just, it was really nice. Like it was, I feel like obviously she's now, a more like mature artist and I think obviously she like you say she recognizes like I guess like her role in the fandom and all that kind of stuff and like she understands like the power that she holds and I feel like it's interesting that she's like giving people what they want but also like I think it must be cathartic for her as well to like reflect back on these experiences in like a creative way so yeah I I love it yeah I really feel like also because she had periods of time throughout her career where she was really like kind of looked on by the public and she Mm -hmm. went through some really rocky periods of time where she either said things or did things or people speculated things and she's always kind of come out of it the other side so this album feels a bit like well I can take what people throw at me I'm just gonna like lay it all on the table these are my most intimate moments deal with it enjoy Mm -hmm. it we're gonna get through it either way so I almost kind of feel like this is not to name drop another album but her most fearless album So diving into this album, do you Mm want to go through your top three songs on the album? And I think if we stick to the first 13, like, so obviously, oh yeah, we didn't even discuss. Obviously, (laughs) the whole album release was 13 songs for Midnight's and then the Midnight's 3am version, which she released at 3am today in America. So 8am for us. There was a lot of speculation about what that was going to be. That like I think she she released a calendar of events, didn't she, for the week yeah. of midnight, and it said like a chaos, chaotic surprise. <laughs> yeah, chaotic surprise. I did actually see a lot of conspiracy theories that it was going to be a double album. So mm-hmm. I feel like it almost is seven albums, seven albums, seven songs is a lot of songs to add on. So I do feel like it almost was like a double yeah, album. Yeah, because almost all of her other albums, or and by all of I mean like <laughs> folklore and evermore. <laughs> um, <laughs> When there's been, like, bonus tracks that have come slightly later, there's been, like, two at max. So seven mm-hmm. is a significant amount. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so 20 songs in total. Actually, 21 if you count the song that not a lot of people have heard yet because it's on the deluxe edition of the original Midnight's album. So like with The Lakes and I can't remember the other name of the other song on Folklore. Was it on Folklore, mm-hmm. The Lakes? Um, yeah, We won't hear that for a while because obviously there's that's an incentive to buy the deluxe CD. Uh, mm-hmm. So we won't hear that for a while, but there is actually 21 songs. But shall we stick to the first 13? Yes, for let's now. stick to the first 13. Okay, okay, so do we want to do like all three and then discuss or do we want to go one at a time? Maybe we should do one at a time just in case we've got like matches. Okay, are we going to go three to one or one to three? Mm, Go with favourite first. Okay, so my favourite is Snow on the Beach by Lana, not by Lana, but featuring Lana. (laughs) I I prefer the one where Taylor's not on it. (laughs) (laughs) I I did see quite a few people annoyed that Lana didn't get like a full... Mm sort of verse or anything in there but I have to say when we were watching Midnight's Mayhem with me and that song title got announced I thought to myself I think I'm gonna like that one um, yeah. and it has you not love disappointed I do love a collab and I love like Lana Del Rey kind of encompasses the vibe that I like in terms of like slower kind of like I don't know heartfelt music I, I don't know I just like her vibe so I knew I was gonna like that one and lo and behold I did you did <laughs> um but yeah I, I wrote down some notes for it and the notes I wrote for Snow on the Beach were my fave 10 out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> I also wrote that I think of all of the songs it had the most folklore slash evermore vibe mm-hmm. Um, in its sound and specifically I felt like it was a little bit reminiscent in parts of the music that goes alongside Tis the Damn Season so Mm -hmm. Mm, I like that I really like that one I do think that although Lana Del Rey didn't get as much I feel like you can't call her Lana (laughs) I feel like you got a full number every time oh Lana (laughs) I, I feel like it even though she wasn't featured in terms of her actually singing that much on the track I do feel like it was a perfect mix of both of their musical styles not that you can really yeah. pinpoint Taylor's style but you can definitely pinpoint Lana Del Rey's I think style. you can 100% get her influence and like you yeah. can tell that she's been involved in it so exactly yeah. uh, so I really did like that one but it's not on my top three my favorite guess what my favorite is based on the fact that every single piece of content I've put out about it today has featured this track Oh no, don't test me like that because I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I okay, okay. Just My favourite is Antihero. I love Antihero. Obviously. What um, an idiot I, just, I am. <laughs> It's the one that like stuck in my head the most. Like I can't mm-hmm. stop thinking about it. It does, it, it reminds me a lot of Blank Space in that it's kind of, not in the way it sounds, but almost in the way that it takes a kind of caricature of what people think she should be or what she should do mm-hmm. and she kind of translates that into a song so yeah. I remember like when all her past albums came out people said she should write a song about how she's the problem and now she has and yeah. I really like that and I think I do like I like a lot in this album how she doesn't she really encompasses like those feelings of and I'm sad she felt it but obviously everyone feels this at times like those feelings of like self-loathing and like questioning yourself and I feel like Mm -hmm. as someone in the limelight with so many people commenting on the way she lives her life that's bound to happen as a feeling and I really Mm -hmm. think the way that she put it into this song was really well done it's just so catchy I love the fact obviously we'll probably talk about the the fact that this is a visual album so we're going to get a lot of videos love the video for Antihero which I'm sure we'll talk about too um Mm -hmm. 
But it does, it's my favourite song, but it has my least favourite lyric. Okay, one of the well, lyrics says... <laughs> is, it the sex, is it the sexy yeah. baby one? Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. What the hell yeah, does I, that mean? I've seen a lot of people saying, what do you mean sexy baby? Like, what yeah. does that mean? And what's um, monster on the hill mean? Well, see, I took that to imagine, like, because in, well, I don't want to get too far into the video, but in the video it was, like, that she's, yeah. like, bigger than everyone else, and it was, like, that she's taking up too much space, I don't know. But is it, like, it was the sexy baby to reference, like, other people being, like, smaller? I don't really know. It was confusing. <laughs> but, yeah, I do agree, though, Antihero, not in my top three, but very much a favourite. Like, I, I do like it a lot, and I, I wrote down, funny. <laughs> in in capital letters and then I specifically wrote down the quote about I have this dream my daughter-in-law kills me for the money she thinks I left them in the world the family gathers around and reads it out and then someone screams out she's laughing at us from hell and I just thought it like it's a good line it was like yeah a very much um like caricature and like she had fun with that that song you could tell it was like you know, a bit talking, I think she took like maybe some like real insecurities and then showed herself like kind of turning them on the head and like having fun with it and like sort of overcoming the insecurities, I guess, in a way, which I thought was nice. Yeah, I really, really love that one. And I think, I think that's a real talent to take like a subject topic that actually is quite dark at times and to make it into quite a funny satirical song. Like I do love that. So that was my number one. What's your number two? Okay, so my number two is Bejeweled. (laughs) Really? Because that's one of the ones that if you asked me to describe, I just couldn't... That actually surprised me for a couple of reasons. First of all, I just thought, this is a great song, how could anyone not like it? Second of all, (laughs) it, it gives me like, I don't know why, but I, even though you didn't rate this as one of your top albums I kind of see you as like a lover person I don't know I just I see that as you and I felt like this gave me like Miss Americana vibes a lot and there were some quotes like when I walk in the room I can still make the whole place shimmer I just thought I love that it's so fun and yeah so I feel like that was maybe a rogue choice for my top three, to be honest. Yeah, it's not my usual one. type. Mm. But I've listened to the album a few times now and I'm still I'm confident in my choice. Yeah, I feel like you've listened to it more times than me. I just haven't had chance today. But I do think that when I come back to that, it might mm-hmm. be one of my favourites. Like, my favourites are just the ones that, like, jumped out at me. I haven't had time yeah. to let them settle. I do remember whenever more came out, I said that Long Story Short, I think, was my favourite. And although I do love that song, like, it's not it's not my favourite now. And I think it was just because it jumped out on me because it was so catchy at the beginning. Different, yeah. Yeah. So my second is Mastermind. But just because... So I obviously love the way it sounds, love the lyrics, but I really like kind of the if you put Invisible String and Mastermind next to each other, so Invisible String is was a song that all about kind of how, like, the serendipity of relationships and how you can just be living your separate lives and then almost without you ever predicting that it would happen, your lives are, like, thrust together and all along you've been destined to be together and by chance you've just found each other whereas mastermind i feel like completely flips that concept on its head and i feel like it's almost like the devil on invisible string's shoulder which is kind of like 
I'm a mastermind. I wanted to meet you. And so I made, I like orchestrated a whole entire meeting so that we did and that we could fall in love. And it kind of takes invisible spring, string, turns it on its head and gives like this other side. So like sometimes you meet people and it can be completely, you know, fate by chance. And sometimes you meet people and it's because you have absolutely wanted to meet them and you've made it happen, which I just thought was really clever because it's almost like looking at two at the same situation from two different angles, which I feel yeah. like a lot of these songs do. And I just thought it was really clever. I feel like it, yeah, when you said it like that, I really feel like I need to re-listen to that song because I, I did not rate that song at all, really. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm give not like, I need to give that a listen. Because to me, it sounds like Invisible String is like optimism and that sounds like pessimism to me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm interested to compare now, so... I will re-listen to it. Okay, so my three, I'm not going to lie, I struggled to choose between a three and a four. However, the one that I've ended up going for is Sweet Nothing. And I just felt like I, of all of the songs, because I've written down a lot of these songs having like really triggered like a memory of another song from a different album. And like I, I enjoyed that. I felt like Sweet Nothing was for me the most unique of the songs and the one that had like the most um specifically unique vibe out of all of the different tunes on the album um and I also just felt like it was very like calm nostalgic and I just yeah I felt like it was just a really really nice vibe I had a great time listening to it and again it's nothing like one in particular thing about the song that made me love it but I've listened to the album I think three times fully over now throughout the day and each time I've listened to it I've just enjoyed that particular song. Do you know what's funny about your third choice is that if you hadn't named that one I would have asked you like where it ranked because I don't know if you knew this you probably did is that obviously she released like who wrote what songs and who was the co-writers on songs and William Bowery aka Joe Alwyn was a co-writer on this and obviously he was a co-writer on Betty and you loved Betty so I, I loved Betty kinda, yeah I was going to predict that this one would be in your top three so mm-hmm. I really like this one I think you can kind of tell that it's been made with someone she loved I don't know if that's because just because we know that but I do yeah. I do think like it's you can tell it's a song that's been made with love which I really enjoy mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just, that's the thing about that one. It just had like an overwhelmingly nice vibe and that's all I can say about mm-hmm. it really. But it's just like a Very pleasant calming. song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's another one that I definitely need to listen to a bit more. Um, but actually, I think my third song, it's, I know that we're going to go on to, so I'm not going to spoil, but my third song is definitely up for, up for discussion. But I do think that of the original 13, my third song would be You're On Your Own Kid. I knew I was okay. going to like that one. Okay. Just because, yeah. again, I feel like I'm a very... I feel like we differ in that you're very much a vibes person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm, like, a concept <laughs> person. Like, to me, if I enjoy the concept of an album or a song, it doesn't actually matter if they don't sound nice because I'm like, that's a clever concept. So that's my favourite. <laughs> Whereas I feel like you really like how things sound, which i guess makes sense <laughs> yeah that makes sense so i really <laughs> no, like I agree. this one because i feel like again i feel like it, this was a song where where i was speaking about how this album really goes back in time to situations where we might have like wondered what she was thinking this album mm-hmm. that this song kind of revealed what she was thinking kind of reflecting on her career and at points in her career and kind of revealing all on moments that she's never really shared with the world which i just thought was a very cool concept what did you think of this one 
I do like it, yeah. I think um, it's one of them ones that I didn't necessarily jump on in first listen, but then when I've been listening to people's TikToks throughout the day and seeing people ranking all of the songs, the more I've heard of the, like, you're on your own kid, you always have been kind of vibe, I'm like, I do like it. However, what I'm going to say is that it reminds me of, not in how it sounds, but in how it is, like, orchestrated, um, Cowboy Like Me, in sense of it being a nice song to listen to, but while I like slower songs, I also like songs that I think you can like sing along to, and I find that those two songs have less sing-along ability, if that makes sense, just in like the way, I don't know if it's just like, obviously her voice sounds great singing it, but it's not like a, a belter. So I feel like I enjoy listening to it, but it wouldn't necessarily be one that I'd add into my playlist all the time, except for specifically to like, a chill playlist yeah so, I get yeah. that I get that one did you have any ones that were did you have any ones that was a bad sentence do you have any songs that almost made it into top three but didn't so the one that was in my fourth spot that I was struggling to choose between Sweet Nothing and this one which took me by surprise first listen this was a song that from title I wasn't expecting to like but Maroon, I really like. I really like Maroon. Yeah. Again, just the vibes alone, you know. I'm, I hate to be so vague as to just say that it's on vibes, but at the same time, vibes count for a lot. And I just felt it was like really, really nice um, to listen to. And I, I don't know, the title just didn't capture me in The Midnight's Mayhem with me. But when I listened to it, it was great. I also would like to give an honourable mention. This was never going to be in my top songs at all, but Karma, I feel like, was yes. a fun... It was a fun song, yeah. and specifically the lyric, which is, Karma is a cat purring in my lap because it loves me. <laughs> I loved it. What more could you say? <laughs> too, that's I mean, like definitely the memorable lyric from that one. I think and my I said, place would have been Karma. Yeah, I wrote down for my note for Karma, lover and reputation had a baby. <laughs> and it, it was Karma, so yeah. I love that. Um, I also thought that Maroon, because my fourth place definitely would have been Karma, but then I did mm-hmm. really like Maroon. And I do feel like if Maroon had a sister song, it would be Lover. It felt very mm-hmm. romantic to me. Yeah, yeah, it did. It was like, because it was obviously diving into like the red, kind of like it was all about, like it feels maybe more like the passionate side of romance whereas lover is more like the whimsical like side of romance so I feel like yeah there's definitely like a similarity there but different sort of strains of romance but yeah big fan um before we start talking about the music video for Antihero which I feel we really need to dive into um were there any songs for you from the original 13 that were skips not like literal skips but that you can see being skips in the future or ones that you just actively didn't like okay interesting interesting interestingly (laughs) the one that i've written down as my like maybe least favorite although i really feel like it's too early to say um is actually not from the first 13 it's from the overall 20 um because when obviously when the at 3am, or 8am for us, when the new seven got added, okay, first of all, did that change your top three, or no? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. She knows. She was very, very fun on that. I do really like High Infidelity, or, yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely what it's called. Yeah. Just, had to, just had to check my list. <laughs> Again, I feel like High Infidelity is one of those songs that, like, 
looks back on a situation that everyone wondered about and fills mm-hmm. in the gaps. Like, there is a lyric about how someone isn't worth writing a song about or something like that. And it, I mm-hmm. feel like it's a it's a really subtle dig, or maybe not even that subtle, at Calvin Harris. It's quite, a, quite <laughs> an obvious dig. Yeah, quite um, an obvious dig at Calvin. Yeah, I actually, I did like High Infidelity. And what I wrote down for that one, aside from the words like that, were... <laughs> Where were you on April 29th? Because I bloody want to know. Tell Wasn't me. that three days before the Met Gala, which is where she supposedly I, yeah. met Joe? Cheeky. Um, <laughs> no, so yeah, I, I was. That's just all I wrote down. Where were you, April 29th? Yeah, where were you? Kayla? Because I wish I knew. Um, yeah, she's like filling in the gaps, but also leaving also some question marks. She's leaving big question marks for me, and I was like, "Is this just another case of me like not being enough of a fan that I don't know these things?" But I tell you what disappointed me from, I will say there was three songs from the new, like the additional seven that I liked. High Infidelity was one, Dear Reader was another, and then my favourite of those seven was Bigger Than The Whole Sky, which I just thought had like afterglow vibes, and I just felt like that was, just like again, I'm all about the vibes and that one had them, but the other four songs I found kind of like forgettable and just a bit disappointing but the one that disappointed me the most from those seven was Paris because I just did not feel I really feel liked that one what I, I think it was the title I just didn't feel like that gave the vibe of Paris to me like it didn't feel mm. Parisian and I don't mean in like a, a French sound but as as we've talked about many times in this episode I'm all about the vibes and I just feel like something can feel like something or it cannot and I just felt like that felt like more of a I know it felt more of a New York or Mm -hmm. a London not Mm -hmm. a Paris I don't know I feel like Paris is just like a very specific place and that song did not feel like that place to me but obviously I guess everyone has different experiences of places and therefore Mm -hmm. like I can't criticize but it just didn't feel like the right title for the music or vice versa the music didn't feel like it matched the title for me right I would have thought I like I really really predicted that the extra seven would shift your top three massively because of the writers on them because three of the songs of those seven so I think it's High Infidelity The Great War and I want to say would have could have should have which is a mouthful were co-written by Aaron Desner who was such a big writer on Folklore and Evermore so I thought Honestly, I thought your whole three was going to change. No, so do you know what? The Great War, not really a fan, to be honest. But um, what was the other one that you said Aaron Desner was a writer Would have, could have, should have. Would have, could have, should have. I just yeah, it wrote the one word for that one, which was boppy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one is a bop. I really enjoyed that um, one. So yeah, I, I, I do feel like though, so whilst I have listened to the full album like the full 13 songs three times I've only listened to the additional seven like two times so mm-hmm. I do feel like so I, I still there. I need them to grow on me um and now that I've listened to the album a couple of times I feel like I can start shuffling because I do feel like sometimes it's unfair to listen to things mm-hmm. in like the set order because like sometimes you get a bit of fatigue by the end so yeah yeah it's time to yeah. shuffle mode um, but the reason that I incorporated the final seven is because my I thought my least favourite of the whole thing so far, I mean, I don't have a least favourite, I've only listened to it twice, um, 
was really ironic because I really I don't I don't <laughs> particularly bond with dear reader, which okay. is so ironic to me because of who we are as people <laughs> and who you are specifically. Yeah, yeah. My whole life is about books, but the one time she writes, well, actually no. Because the story of us was very book related title, but the mm-hmm. second time she chooses a book related title, and I just just wasn't feeling it. Although I should say, once you get to track twenty on an album, you're probably not looking much, at it with yeah. the freshest eyes or ears. Yeah, exactly. So, the, were there any songs then? So from the original thirteen that you didn't like? There were, there's nothing that I didn't like. I feel like maybe the one that I'm least like connected to is Labyrinth. Like honestly. Really, I cannot think of a single line from Labyrinth. But again, that is probably because we wanted to be really hot off the press and record this the day it came out, but we haven't had yeah. time to bond. See, I actually do like Labyrinth because I wrote down for that one, <laughs> Immaculate Vibes. And I also <laughs> wrote down that I felt like it, it was Mirable meets Cornelia Street. And I felt like that was just a really oh, wow. okay. excellent so interestingly- combo. Cornelia Street, one of my favourite songs of all time. I knew that. Yeah. Mirable, not. So. Ah, so maybe that's the, uh, the, yeah. the combo that's not working out. But for me, there was one song from the original 13 that I was just like, boring. Not <laughs> Can you guess? Vigilante shit. Yes, exactly. Knew it. I just, <laughs> I, I felt like, I just had no time for it. It, it just wasn't. It just wasn't for me, and I'm like, that's it. And I feel like it's been a lot of people's fave because it's just like it's very reputation, but yeah, I just and couldn't also, get into it. I feel like there are a lot of theories that this is about her like messing up Scooter Braun's life, which again, as a concept, I'm very into. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm like, I still. I respect the art. It's just, it's not going to be a song that's like, it's not for me. Also, like, a song that starts with, like, speaking, because it starts, like, basically with her saying that she's not, um, not, like, dressing for women, not dressing for men, blah, 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 but she's not singing at that point, and I'm just like, I want to be able to get into the song. I don't want to have all this, like, preamble... And also, like, I'm not very fashionable, so the concept of dressing for revenge is not something that I can relate to. <laughs> How do you feel about the song Better Than Revenge? Because that this is what this reminded me of. You know on Speak Now? The no, one with the lyric, song... she's not a saint, but she, she's not a saint and she's not what you think. She's an actress. She's better known than, about the things that she does on the mattress. That one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that one gave me very vigilante <laughs> shit vibes. Okay. That one live was a very fun one to watch. <laughs> okay, right. The thing is, is that I'm I'm still like you say willing to give songs another try, but mm. I feel like I went through yesterday every single Taylor Swift album, and I put together a specific Taylor Swift playlist because I specifically had a folklore and Evermore playlist combo vibe, yeah. which is still. A very important thing to me but I was like now that there's you know been you know red tv and this album I'm like I need to start expanding my mm-hmm. horizon so I started gathering the collection and I just feel like doing that highlighted to me what kind of vibes I go for across the board and I feel like vigilante shit is just not just gonna do it because I think of reputation the only some that I put on my Taylor Swift uh, playlist was Don't Blame Me, which again is just, it's a real belter. Yeah, that one and is that's... a really good one. To be honest, I always say that Reputation's my least favourite album. Actually, no, I think Debut's probably my re- least favourite. 
but I always like put the reputation up there. But when I actually go into the songs, there are quite a few good ones in there. Like Delicate's really good. Mm-hmm. Dress is really good. Really raunchy. That has Vigilante <laughs> vibes, I think, as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I completely get what you mean about the kind of songs that you tend to gravitate towards. I feel like these are really interesting because we have such different faves. And mm-hmm. I always find that so interesting. Um, how do you feel about the fact that it's a visual album? Because I really like that concept. Again, drink every time I say concept. So Drink every time I say a, vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so interesting because I feel like that's, that is your team vibe and team concept. Your team concept. Um, and so I do feel like the fact that it's a visual album t- really ties into both those things. It's very immaculate vibes and also a great concept. I think, yeah, for 100%, it's like, um... <laughs> Drink every time you say 100%. <laughs> Do you know, it used to be more yeah. frequent, but I feel like it's time for a comeback of 100%. Yeah. <laughs> what was my other catchphrase? Because there used to be one, and I can't quite recall oh it. I I'm going to go back and listen to an old episode of the podcast, because I think it was used to be one that Jay would tell me off when he was editing, because I'd say <laughs> it way too often. Um, but anyhow, um... Anything. I think the vi- the visual concept is a good one because I do think like back in the day music videos were like such an important part of like album releases mm-hmm. and I feel like they've become like less and less so over the years as I guess like streaming has become more of a thing and like album purchasing has become less of a thing and it's easy to just like access songs you know on Spotify on Apple Music whatever it may be um the music videos have kind of like taken a bit more of a backseat but I feel like when they're well done and they're like a story or they offer something different than just the version that you could listen to on Spotify I feel like they can just like help to bring an extra like layer into the like experience of the album and I feel like what Taylor has done with this one in particular with the whole Midnight's Mayhem and all of different easter eggs going like into this release I feel like she has gone for like you said a concept an experience rather than just an album it's all about like the whole vibe so I feel like the visual thing is only gonna like add to that it's just like an extra layer on top of what is already a good album yeah i agree i feel like part of her almost brand as an artist has always been the music video element to it and i feel like Mm -hmm. she's almost reclaiming it back as like a like a a part of an album release that we should consume more readily because as you say i feel like i do know exactly what you mean i used to stream things via youtube and therefore you'd be watching the videos whereas now because of spotify and apple music you don't do that as much and you don't necessarily look at them and then i feel like when she released the all too well 10 minute short film she kind of that i feel like the reception to that must have really spurred her on and now i don't know does visual album mean that we're getting one for every single song I'm unsure to be honest but I'm sure time will tell but I'm excited because I've now just started like thinking about like iconic music videos and mm-hmm. started thinking about Love Story that was a good music video yeah, that was 10 a out of 10 I you have said- a very vivid memory of getting on the train 
um, to go. So like when I went to high school, I had to get like a short train ride to mm-hmm. like another village and then I had to go to school. A very vivid memory of sitting on the train with Hannah uh, after the Everything Had Changed, Everything Has Changed music video came out, you know, when oh. it was like revealed at the end that like it was their kids or something like Ed and Taylor's kids Cute. and the, that whole like storyline. <laughs> I remember I was doing a deep dive into that on the train when we were like in year, I don't know, year nine or whatever when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of miss that deep analysis of a music video as well as just the music so I'm really excited to do that for more songs final question I feel like a great question is of all the songs all 20 which one would you most like to see a video for I'd love to see a video of let me just look at the track list because I feel like this was a spur spur of the moment question you weren't prepared Mm. I feel like you're on your own, kid, because it is more of a like story-led song. Could be a nice one to kind of see you played out on, yeah. in like a, a, a like more of a all too well style video, or yeah. I feel like Karma could be like a fun music video. Yeah, Bejeweled could be like a very pretty music video, um, mm. but I do like music videos that just have like more of a story. The one that's coming to my mind that you have just triggered my memory with because you said about Ed Sheeran was the Lego house music video with Rupert Rupert Grint playing like his stalker fan thing and you realize that he's not playing Ed Sheeran he's playing an Ed Sheeran obsessive and it's like 10 out of 10 so good um so yeah I feel like ones like that where it's like it tricks you you think you're watching one thing and then before you know it you're on a yeah. whole different level so yeah I feel like mm, yeah I don't know I don't know I feel like you never know what to expect from a music video until it hits you and then you're like that's such a good idea so mm-hmm. yeah I'm willing to watch anything that she puts out yeah me too I would really like to see a sister music video video release for uh, Mastermind and Invisible String I know obviously Invisible String isn't from this album but I do think if we're doing it based on like videos come across or are portrayed better when they're a concept I think because in my head I just love that concept um I'd really love to see that but I do do you know what's really I find really funny about her music videos because obviously she released today the anti-hero music video which I was thrilled about because that's my favorite song on the album is how literally she takes some of the lines and then puts that into the music video when they literally act out the lines (laughs) it really like it's something that shouldn't work because it's very on the nose but it is so good and it's so clever i think because she did that one in like such a like caricature kind of way and there was like yeah. elements that were like it felt a bit like alice in wonderlandy and mm-hmm. just like a bit bizarre it works kind of having that like on the nose thing um but i think we should talk about like the break in the music video where it pauses yeah. the song and goes into the taylor swift's own funeral because that was absolutely incredible like I think that was like oh yeah see this is where a music video is doing something in addition to what's already in the song and I just thought it was so funny it had obviously one of the actresses from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia she was like mm-hmm. the daughter uh, and I, I actually that didn't place that you I was thinking I know who she is but I don't know where from and you've yeah. just placed it for me um but I enjoyed when she said who's getting the beach house and they said it's been turned into a cat sanctuary and then there was the picture of an old taylor swift with cats just all around her and i thought this is a woman i can relate to 
Yeah, I really like that. I do think, as you say, a music video should always be like a complimentary thing to a song and add, like fill in the gaps of things that you might not be sure of. And I do feel like because music videos became such a big thing, people were just releasing them and no one releases them like people like Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift. Because I think they are so ingrained in their songs because they write them, they have a very certain way of how they want the story to be told. And so those are the iconic music videos. And yeah, this was definitely one of them. I feel like it added a lot to the song into the story and that break where it did show Tales of Funeral was hilarious yeah um, I really liked the fact that they even referenced the fact that the daughter was wearing the 2009 Fearless uh, dress yeah I really funny. enjoyed that very funny yeah you know you just hit the nail on the head there because I'm thinking like you know for example you have music videos like what makes you beautiful by one direction where it's just like the band kind of like lip singing looking pretty and and then you have things like uh, I don't know if you remember when Sucker by the Jonas Brothers came out and they had all of their like wives actually in the music video. Oh yeah, I do um, remember that actually. What and like that? these ones that are just like such high scale and like you could tell that the artist has been like, they've not just been put somewhere, like they've gotten really into the concept and I just feel like ones like that are just so fun to watch. Whereas yeah, other like a music video where it's just a band kind of walking around a nice location it's like what's the incentive to watch that rather than just listen to it so I think I'm excited to see what else kind of comes from from these videos because like for example no offense to Taylor I didn't think that the music video for is it Willow that was the one that had the music video for Evermore Mm, yeah like that was a it was a fine music video but it wasn't one where it's like oh yeah go back and re-watch it so I'm interested to see what other things she pulls out pulls out the bag. Me too. Particularly after the Sadie Sink masterpiece. I'm also interested to see who is in them because there's always like either upcoming people that then become famous or famous people already. Like she ha- has a very star-studded music video rep- rep- reputation. reputation. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for so long that I just forgotten words. <laughs> um, on that note, do you have anything else you'd like to say about midnight speak now or forever hold your peace do you realize that the last two sentences we've said have referenced yeah the yeah I, I did yeah. i did i did that was a bold choice a fearless choice some might say <laughs> <laughs> um, i have nothing I else to give like... <laughs> i was like can i, I think of like... any more <laughs> no i can't think of any more God, you're making me blush. I've gone red. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop. I actually feel like this has been a very in-depth conversation considering that I'd only listened to the album twice. I've really enjoyed this. I feel like it's given me a new appreciation for the songs that maybe I'd skipped over but are your Mm -hmm. favourites. So I'm now going to go back and listen to those ones. And Um, likewise, you've given me some some food for thought. um, mm -hmm. And I'm very excited to see, because we are literally less than 24 hours into the world in which Midnight's exists, um, to see how our feelings evolve over the coming Mm -hmm. weeks. Because undoubtedly, we're all going to have this album on repeat for the next few weeks. So yeah. I'm sure we'll have some new thoughts in the next episode. In the next episode. And also just to see, like, what's to come, because I feel like the album is almost... Because there's been so much breadcrumbing and so much, like, conspiracy, this is only the beginning. I feel like she's going to announce a tour. There's more music videos to come. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's like Christmas, but that keeps on giving. Hell yeah. We love it. (laughs) We do. So, Um, so yeah. Please let us know. 
if you've listened to Midnight's, we want to know what are your top three. Uh, DM us on Instagram at the Little Writer M and at Kira's Kira's Corner underscore. Yeah, got it in one. <laughs> and um, we will see you in, in the, the next, next episode. One.